Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show, two Catholics with PhDs in common sense. Uh, we are here to give you full contact Catholicism, DDT with devil-destroying <laughs> theology. I'm reporting for duty. Terry, what about you? I am too, Jesse, and I'll be off for these next three days, and you'll be covering for me, and I appreciate that. But I'm on duty, and Jess, I can't think of a better topic right now uh, that we're going to cover, and that is... The problem with marijuana use worldwide, I mean, just to give a, a little scenario, my son just came back from a fishing trip down in Costa Rica, and he said, Dad, you wouldn't believe it. Every young person is high on marijuana. They are no, they're the most lazy people. Nobody wants to work. They're just wanting to stay high. Well, that's all over the world, and that's why I think we're going to cover with Jesse, who's an expert on this topic, his book on marijuana. You, can, you should go to jesseromero.com to pick it up, but just... This, this topic is so powerful. I'm, before I ask you all these questions, I want to read a story about a doctor who's informing parents down in Southern California about the link towards mental illness and marijuana use. But before we get to that, this is a whole show today on marijuana. Mom and Dad, I guarantee you, Jesse, I'm going to make a presumption. A lot of the kids that are parents that are listening right now, many of your kids are smoking marijuana. Just because mm. the use is so great. And yeah. I think that this show could be instrumental in helping them weed, weed themselves off. No, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> weed them off the weed. And so <laughs> this is something that is important for us to take the whole show on. But before we do that, Jess, uh, I want to, I'm not even, my good news story is this. Um, what's the young lady was a Democrat. She just, um, uh, what's her name, Jeff? Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. She, she made a statement that she can no longer be a Democrat for all these reasons we've talked about. And I just think um, it's nice to see people coming to realize that the evilness of the— I'm, I'm going to say it, Jesse. The, when you start oh, yeah. killing unborn babies and saying this is part of what we do, that's evil. <laughs> and so who could be part of that? And if someone wants to get mad at me, bring it on. Let's let's talk about why you as a Catholic would even consider being a Democrat today with their platform. No way. That's right. All That's right. right. But, but just Here, let me just hit me. let me just mention a few uh, news items before oh, we good. get into the good. into some soul food here. Yeah. Uh, there's a victory in Indiana, so let's celebrate this oh, victory. Yeah. It's a Catholic victory, actually. Oh, good. A federal court in Indiana ruled in favor of a Catholic school that suspended a guidance counselor on the basis that she violated her contract by being uh, in a same-sex marriage. Good. So this marks the latest victory for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. God bless them. Judge Richard Young ruled Friday that the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and its educational institutions can hire, retain, or suspend faculty in accordance with their religious standards. So one for the victory column. Well, here's another one that uh, this is not so good. Catholic University of America versus censors. This doesn't surprise surprise me. Catholic University of America President Peter Kilpatrick this week rejected efforts to stop Catholic commentator Matt Walsh from speaking on campus about his film, What is a Woman?, which questions the LGBT agenda. I believe, well, this is actually good. The president, uh, Peter Kilpatrick, he said this. I believe that bringing in speakers that challenge us and push us to consider Different perspectives is a hallmark of a thriving intellectual environment. Kilpatrick wrote in a campus email. So good for him, Terry. Yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah, good for Pat, for President Peter Kilpatrick from Catholic University, who allowed Matt Walsh in to give actually 
the natural law point of view on what is a woman. Here's another one, Terry. We can't figure that out yet? I'm like, where are we at today? Um, Another good news. School stops abortion referrals under pro-life law. Awesome. Because of Idaho's No Public Funds for Abortion Act, now in effect, public colleges and universities in in, in the GEM state are advising staff not to refer students for abortions or emergency contraceptions. If they do, they could be charged with a felony offense. Good. That's good news. Yep. And here's the quote of the day. The quote of the day from Patrick Riley, the president of the Cardinal Newman Society. He says, quote, Title IX requires conforming to abortion and gender ideology, according to our president. Therefore, Catholic families should reject and protest any Catholic school or college that does not claim a religious exemption to the Biden's administration's gruesome rules, close quote. That's a good comment from Patrick Riley from the president of the Cardinal Newman Society on how to choose a good Catholic. Good, Jesse. Lots of good stories. Thanks for sharing those. Let's uh, let's get some soul food in our souls, Jess. You got it. Uh, Today, Mm -hmm. speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Mm -hmm. Luke chapter 11, verses 42 to us. Uh, sorry, sorry, tomorrow. Yeah. Luke chapter 11, verses 37 to 41. Right. After Jesus had spoken, a Pharisee invited him to dine at his home. He entered and reclined at table to eat. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not observe the prescribed washing before the meal. The Lord said to him, O you Pharisees, Although you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, inside you are filled with plunder and evil. You fools! Did not the maker of the outside also make the inside? But as to what is within, give alms, and behold, everything will be clean for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So what's going on here? Okay, The, the, the Jews had 613 laws beyond the Ten Commandments that they, they, they're supposed to follow. And by the way, none, none of them follow them perfectly. So in, in verse 38, where our Lord Jesus Christ is asking about, uh, about washing, our Lord is, is disregarding the Pharisees' customs of cleansing because these washing rituals, they were religious in nature, but they weren't hygienic. But what's most important, especially is in verse 39, is that, the religious seal of the Pharisees focused on the exterior of the body, clean the body, kind of like, uh, you know, the COVID-19, wash your hands, wash your hands. But they failed to penetrate the heart. They weren't concerned about their interior life. They were hypocrites. They lived a double life. I'll give you an example of, of, of a Pharisee, a modern-day Pharisee, okay? Mm-hmm. Joe Biden, uh, he's a modern-day Pharisee and a Sadducee. He goes to Mass on Sundays, Terry, Every Sunday, yeah, he receives he com- he commits sacrilege every Sunday. Every Sunday he receives the Holy Eucharist. He commits sacrilege every Sunday. He has a rosary in his pocket. He's like a Pharisee. He's like a Sadducee. On the outside, he gives the appearance of being a Catholic, but on the inside, Terry, the man is wicked. He lives in perpetual mortal sin. How do I know? It's simple. All you have to do is look at his voting record as of the vice president 
And now the president for the last two years, the unelected president, and you can see that he goes against all the church's teachings when it comes to the sanctity of human life and marriage. So objectively speaking, I can look at a scorecard and tell you he's outside the bounds of the Catholic Church. He lives by his voting record that he hasn't changed. He holds to it. He lives in opposition to the moral teachings of God. I'm going to go beyond, say, the Catholic Church and the Magisterium. Right. He goes beyond the moral teachings of God Almighty, but he carries a rosary in his pocket, and he goes to Mass on Sundays. He's a classic Pharisee on the outside. He portends to be a follower of Christ on the inside. He is wicked. And, at, and this is a chance for me to be at, use some charity. He's 80 years old. So he's, he doesn't have much longer to live on this planet, and his exit interview will probably come soon. When you're 80 years old, you can't count on much more. So out of charity, we're calling him to repent and believe in the gospel. Because, you know, Jess and I would love to see this guy convert and say, I'm, I'm repent of it. I'm not going to go to communion unless I go to confession, and, and the unborn babies have, they should have life. We shouldn't be killing them. I'd love to have him say all of the above, because you know what? If he doesn't, Man, it looks, objectively, he's mm-hmm. going to hell. Objectively, yeah, Jess, objective. because of the facts on the ground, he's, he's actually doing so much evil right now. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Yes. Archbishop, <laughs> full steam ahead. And Jess, this is appropriate because we have to stand for life. Here's what Bishop Sheen says. To every Christian, all of us listening, there comes that supreme moment when we must choose between temporal pleasure and eternal freedom. In order to save our souls, we must often run the risk of losing our bodies. Hey, Jess, I can see the scenario. It's all around in China, persecuted parts of the world. They go, hey, Romero, are you a follower of Christ? Yes or no? Hmm. And Jesse says, yes, "Yes, I am. And what happened? Yes, sir. Yeah, exactly. Off with the head. Yes. (laughs) See, (laughs) See, and this can happen now. I'll put it on a smaller level, Jess. Hey, off with the head. Uh, yeah, off with the head, Jet Romero. You're done. Yeah, really, my eternal life starts, dude. You can't take. You can't send me anywhere. God isn't. Amen. That's what we tell those knuckleheads <laughs> who want us to compromise on our Catholic faith. Now, Jess, here's the point. We're living now in a culture that says, "Well, you know, just stay quiet." But you know what, Jesse? The results are the same. When you don't do good, when good can be done, you're committing a sin of omission. Mm-hmm. And so in the same way, when we can't stand up for life, we can't stand up for what's right in our country, then, uh, and we just look the other way, this is a sin of omission that we have to say, stop it, and let's all come, back, come on the same page and stand up for life. Because, yeah, we might lose our bodies, but you know what? Our Lord told us that. What good is it to save the body and, and lose the soul? Okay, that's what Fulton Sheen has to say. Just when we come back, we're going to ask you a bunch of questions, but I want to set this up with the problem of marijuana worldwide and how it's yes. destroying countries, destroying mm-hmm. families. It's having people get killed because they're going to stronger medicines or stronger uh, stronger drugs. Yes. Sometimes they're being laced with other bad chemicals in it. We're going to hear, hear all about that because it's important for you and our families. Yep. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. 
Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess Romero, I consider as an expert in this regards to marijuana use. She's written a book on it. Go to jesseromero.com. Pick the book up for your family. But Jess, before I hit you with a bunch of questions that we all have about marijuana, I just want to set the stage that it's, it's out of control right now. In San Diego, the um, Southern California here, the Suicide Awareness Month, the San Diego health experts all came together Thursday at a City Heights family health center in San Diego to inform parents about the risks of marijuana use on their youth and their mental health. Experts have said and have seen a link to mental health and marijuana use. This doctor says, every day I treat patients who suffer from cannabis use disorder, said Dr. Joseph Sepulveda, chief of psychiatry and the medical director for substance use disorder services at the Family Health Center in San Diego. Now, uh, Dr. Ronette Leave with the Scripps Hospital Emergency Room wants to make sure parents and youth are making informed decisions and understand the risk. You think? He says during Thursday evening's doctor, he laid out a relationship between marijuana use and mental health. He warned that cannabis use, so marijuana use, is a suicide risk factor for people under the age of 25. Uh, he also said that cannabis, which marijuana use disorder and daily cannabis use were associated with suicidal thoughts, plans of attempts to people between 18 to 35 years of old or without underlying major depression. And he said the FDA is warning people with psychiatric history to avoid even prescriptional level use of the THC. People who have mental illness can exasperate their conditions with marijuana use. Experts warn that the THC, and this is important, Jess, one of the questions yep. I'm going to ask you, is getting stronger it was light compared to the 1960s. The Department of Justice found that the average potency levels in marijuana has increased from 8.9% to 12.1% between the years of 08 and 17. So, Jess, this is a huge topic, and you've, you, made, you wrote a book on this. I mean, let me ask you some questions that people are saying. Hey, Jesse, come on, give me a break. What's wrong with marijuana from the perspective, you know, if it's just a natural and divine law? Is there a, is there a problem with it, Jess? Well, th there's, there's two ways to look at it. Right? This topic, again, natural law and divine positive law. So uh, just on a natural law, a simple answer I would give, you know, because I get this question from young people all the time when I go and lecture. Of course. And, uh, and just a simple response for young people that I give them is this. I'll, I say, here's why marijuana is wrong in a nutshell. I mean, I can give you the biblical, the catechetical, the legal, the statistical, the scientific. But I'm going to use a common sense approach. Okay. Because smoking marijuana in a nutshell, what it does, it alters your mind. It alters your judgment. It alters your ability to think clearly and soberly. And remember, the greatest gift that God gave us right. is free will. Well said. When you alter your free will, you alter your judgment, your mind, your ability to think. Now you've put your path. Now you're walking. Uh, you're, you're walking uh, in the danger zone. Well, that makes total sense. Yes. Uh, let me throw another question at you. Uh, can you show me though in the Bible? That smoking marijuana is morally wrong. I've had kids ask me that question. Yes. You're, so we're not going to find a Bible verse that says 
smoking marijuana is wrong. Like we're not going to find a Bible where it says drunk driving is wrong right. or jaywalking is wrong right. or, 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 or smoking or, or slamming heroin is wrong. You're not going to find Bible verses that give those specific details. But there's a general view in the Bible that we're called to live, li- live lives of sobriety. Amen. So that's a principle in the Bible. To live your life, a life of sobriety, and to live a life, as the Bible says, a renewed mind, the renewed mind of Jesus Christ. For example, in Romans twelve two, it says, "Do not be conformed to the don't do not conform yourselves to the spirit of this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, Amen. that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect." It's impossible to renew your mind and know what the will of God is when you're under the influence. Also, Saint Paul says in First Corinthians two sixteen, he says. Uh, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to counsel him, but we have the mind of Christ. If the Bible says we have the mind of Christ, you don't want to alter it with anything that's going to that's going to uh, uh, you know lead you to a life of intoxication or lack of sobriety. We're called to have the mind of Christ. The Bible also says in Second Corinthians ten five, take every thought captive in obedience to Jesus Christ. How, so the question is. How can you take your thoughts captive to Jesus if you're under the influence? It's impossible. Now, I'll give you one Bible verse that condemns marijuana. Okay. There's a bunch of them, uh, but I'm just going to give you one because they all, they all use the same word. You won't catch this in an English Bible because in an English Bible, when it talks about the sins of the flesh, Galatians 5.19 and following, it says here, Now the works of the flesh are obvious. It goes and names all kinds of sins of the flesh. Then it names sorcery. And most of us as Catholics, we just gloss over it. We say sorcery, we keep on reading, drinking, bouts, factions, orgies. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now stop there. So again, sorcery is condemned in Revelation 9.21, Revelation 18.23, Revelation 22.14. But it goes over our head because we're saying, okay, sorcery, what's that? What, What are they talking about? Harry Potter? No. The word sorcery is is translated from the Greek word pharmakeia. The word pharmakeia is where you get the word pharmaceutical. So sorcery, or the Greek word pharmakeia, that was used by St. Paul, it's talking about the use of medicines or drugs or spells or poisoning that's used in sorcery and witchcraft. I see the connection. it was even used at the time of Christ and in the Old Testament. Because in sorcery, the use of drugs was accompanied by incantations and the appeal to call demonic powers. So, Terry, there's a direct connection in the Old and New Testament between drug use and calling demonic powers. And I would argue that nothing's changed today. Oh, nothing new under the sun. Wow, yeah. Jesse, that's a great connection. Now, Jess, I hear people say, hey, come on, dude. Calm down. I just want to get high tonight. I want to relax. I had a long day at the office or, you know, is there a specific Bible verse that condemns the use of drugs simply for recreation, you know, just to get a high? Well, well, yeah, Terry, because, well, no, let me, let me backpedal. Again, the Bible is not a catechism book where it has questions and answers. Mm-hmm. Question 535, should I smoke marijuana? Yeah. Answer 5. No, it's it, no. that's not a, The Bible was a book of salvation history. It's a story. But the Bible does tell us once again 
very clearly. Well, first of all, what's the purpose of smoking marijuana? It's to become under the influence because of a very powerful psychoactive ingredient called THC. That's the chemical that causes mind-altering effects and hallucinogenic effects. Well, the Bible doesn't have a verse that says, don't smoke marijuana. But the Bible does tell us, at least, I'll just go by the New Testament. I won't even talk about the Old Testament. There are six New Testament verses that call us to live a life of sobriety. I'll just give you one of six. St. Peter, 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober and vigilant. Your opponent is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him steadfast in faith. So let's make two connections here. Yep. If you're sober, you can resist evil, which means if you're not sober, you can't resist evil. St. Peter is telling Christians to resist evil. Why? Because he's calling us to a life of sobriety, because the devil's coming after us. So what's the opposite of that? The opposite is you can't resist the devil if you're intoxicated. That's the exact opposite. if, If you take St. Peter's exhortation and flip it around and jesse isn't this the same principle getting drunk is um uh, offensive to god it's a sinful thing to do because you lose that great gift you talked about earlier free will once you get high and you just start doing stupid things and you go well i was high you know what that's the problem though you're not supposed to do that because you're abusing a great gift that God to us, gave to us, our intellect of free will. The only value in saying yes to God is we have the freedom to say no. So when you get high, you lose that great gift. And there's, there's where it is. Jesse, I know you talked about sober. And can you just kind of give a, uh, you know, a, a definition of so being a, a, you know, talked about it in the Bible, but being sober is not, not just from drugs, but it's also being sober from alcohol and anything else that can alter your system? Absolutely. In fact, the word sober, which is used many times in the Holy, in the Holy Bible, yeah. the word sober, it's a Greek word, it's, it's, it's pronounced sophron, which means to have a sound mind, mm-hmm. to have self-control, to be tempered in your behavior. Yeah. And, and sober also, this Greek verb means to be free from the influence of intoxicants. That's what it also means in the Bible. And the word sober is also it's a military term in the Bible. It also means somebody who's pre- a military a soldier who is prepared he, for battle. Yeah. And so, again, it's just impossible to be prepared for spiritual warfare because all of life is spiritual warfare from the moment we were born. That's right. The moment we were baptized. It's impossible for us to be prepared for spiritual warfare if we're intoxicated. That's as simple as that, Jess. Yeah. Hey, I want people to go to your website, Jesse Romero. Yeah, jesseromero.com. Pick up this book. Have your kids read it because this is important. As a matter of fact, right now, Christmas is coming up. You know, even if you have a kid, an adult kid who's not living at your home, but you know he's on drugs, okay? I, mean, I call it dope because it describes marijuana. You're a dope to be smoking marijuana. I know people who say, well, I do it for my health. Come on. It, Again, there's good reasons why this is called dope, because it makes you dopey. And like I said earlier, Jesse, my son, I picked him up yesterday from a fishing trip down in in, uh, South America there. And uh, 
the uh, people there, he said, they were all high on just smoking marijuana. They, they don't even want to go to work. They can't get anybody to do anything. See, this is the problem. And I want to tie this also, Jesse, to our president, uh, Biden, so-called president uh, here, and how he's uh, you know, got no problem with um, marijuana use. Nobody should go to jail for marijuana. Right. You know, that's yeah. what he's saying. But you know what he's doing? He's undermining the safety of our country. And I'm just going to throw this in. You don't have to say this, Jess, but I will. This is undermining the safety of our country because the young people are going to be no, they're not going to be motivated to defend this country. Am I on to something, Jess? Terry, it just, it's just impossible. Well, first of all, doctors call, well, objective doctors, not yeah. the ones that are, not the ones that are being paid by, uh, by Soros. Yeah. Objective doctors call marijuana a disincentive drug. Why is that? Yeah. What does that mean? It means a drug that kills all your incentive to work, uh, to uh, to, to pursue a life of virtue, to pr- pursue a life of, uh, uh, you know, to, to do something positive with your life. All you want to do is lay down on the couch, listen to music, and pleasure yourself. It's a distance. It destroys your desire to do anything positive. Yeah, didn't uh, President Obama also say he admitted to smoking marijuana? Yeah. Yep. I, that explains a lot. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I'm going to keep telling people to get Jesse Romero's book on marijuana. Go to his website, jesseromero.com. Pick it up for your kids, for whoever you know, because it means, I mean, I'm going to say it's ultimately about your soul, too, because they can have all kinds of, you know, marijuana for the rest of their life and just be stoned. And then when it comes to their judgment seat uh, exit interview, what's their excuse? I just wanted to be high. That's not going to cut it. So no. just here's Sir, my, let me mention yeah. something that I learned from you. Oh, you, you gave me a cassette tape years ago yeah. back in t- 2002. It's called The Voice from Calvary. Oh, yeah. Bishop Sheen uh, from Finch- Bishop Sheen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You gave it to me yeah, 20 years ago. I still have it uh, on CD number two. Yeah. Let me quote to you what Fulton Sheen says because I transcribed it. Excellent. He said this, quote, the three gods that are worshipped by our modern culture are Bacchus, Venus and Mammon who, by the way, we, we reject, rebuke, and renounce in Jesus' name. Amen. Fulton Sheen says, First of all, Bacchus, the god of wine, marijuana, heroin, the god of drugs. All those things which wrecked and destroy in some way all that makes man in the image and likeness of God. So I'll stop right there. Wow. So he goes specifically, and he told us back, he died in 1979, so I, I don't know when he did this, this uh, recording, but the fact that he says that he actually names... A demon yes. that's assigned to marijuana, heroin, the god of drugs. Wow. Uh, I mean, a lot. So we were warned 40, 50 years ago. What's happening right now, Fulton Sheen, again, the prophet, warned us that something like this was going to happen. Let me mention something else that you gave me. Okay. Years ago, you gave me that. Is, Terry's been uh, my teacher for, for many <laughs> years. And... Uh, I, I just learn well, so I, I sound smart because Terry gives me all this information. <laughs> You're funny. Terry, you gave me a, a CD with Father Basil Nortz. Oh, music. Yeah, and in there, oh, no, you gave me a small book. Okay. I, I got the music, but it's a small book you gave me. I have yeah. it on my shelf behind me. Yeah. 
Look at what he says in that book that you gave me. It's a thin book on prayer. Yeah. He writes, Father Basil Norris, ORC, writes, With regard to plants, oh, yeah. the devil may work through them to create disturbances around them. Yep. This form of infestation is sometimes a consequence of the place or the object being used for satanic rituals or occult practices or because a curse or spell has been placed on the plants. Wow. Now, let me tell you something that I know because of Ruben Nava. He's worked narcotics for eight years. And Ruben told me this. It's common amongst narcotics officers like Ruben and others that I still keep in contact in law enforcement that the Mexican cartels and the Colombian cartels, but they're kind of been, they've been surpassed by the Mexican cartels. They, They call upon demons to curse and put spells and hexes and diabolical incantations on the drugs they manufacture and they export. Now, I want to remind you, who are these Mexican cartels? They're devil worshipers. They have an official religion called La Santa Muerte, which, according to the Catholic bishops of Latin America, is Satan himself. And the narcotics industry is enormous. It funds terrorism. This is a huge problem in America. It fuels the foreign gangs. In fact, you can even look it up. Right now, it says that the marijuana industry in California, guess who's running the marijuana industry? The Mexican cartels who are Satanist, they worship the devil. Wow. You can read it yourself. If you, if you just go on a, a, any search engine and type in Mexican cartels uh, and, and California drug industry, you're going to see what I'm telling you is spot on. One article after another says the Mexican cartel. You know what they're doing to all the other potheads in California, Terry? Hmm. Like, you know, with, with all the legalization of medical and medicinal yeah. and recreational marijuana. So Joe Pothead says, oh, I... I live in Mendocino County. I got, I'm got. i going to buy me 20 acres, and I'm going to make pot and make a lot of money. Guess what's happening to all these, you know, uh, 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 potheads that, that are born in California, you know, American potheads yeah. that, you know, they have a lot of property. Maybe it was, it was given to them by their parents or their grandparents or down the family line, or they just came across some money, and they bought a couple of acres when they, things were affordable, yeah. and now they've got uh, marijuana farms out there, and they're selling them to dispensaries. Guess what's happening? Tell me. The Mexican cartels have saturated Northern California. They go up there and they say, Hi, how much is your property worth? So much so? Well, we'll give you double. Wow. Uh, the person goes, it's not worth that much. I'll give you double cash for what it's worth. And by the way, you better take it because uh, if not, I'm going to put this gun right down, the, this barrel of the gun down your throat. Wow. So people are buying, s- selling off large lands of property to the Mexican cartels in Northern California. And also the Mexican cartels are saying it's easier for us just to buy property in Northern California than for us to, 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 to make marijuana in Mexico, then transport it over to the U S we'll just buy hundreds and thousands of acres in Northern California. Wow. And, and you know what they're doing to a lot of the, 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 uh, the people, the sheriff out there in Mendocino County saying, yeah, we just find all of a sudden, you know, John Q, uh, who owns 100 acres, we just found him dead in a ditch with his head cut off. Wow. And uh, we just saw other, uh, you know, uh, Johnny you know, Doe, we just found him. He has 150 acres. Oh, yeah, we just found him with his head cut off on a ditch. The Mexican cartels are just killing off their opposition. Oh, you got a pot dispensary? You're an American? You're, you're paying taxes? You're trying to follow, you know... The, the rules that were have been set up by the state of California, we don't play by the rules. Give us your property, sell us your property, we'll give you cash money, or we'll kill you and cut your head off. 
Terry, this is what's happening in California right now. Yeah, it's scary, Jesse, because we don't see that if we're not involved in any of that. You don't realize what's going on around you. Jess, I know you covered the connection between drug intoxication, you know, and the um, and the occult. But my question here is, and this is a big question. I mean, what what's the motivation, Jesse, that you can tell me? Why do people use marijuana and other mind-altering drugs. In other words, some of them are dying because of harder drugs, but what is it that people get with just being high? What, what's their motivation? Terry, I think intuitively we all know that we're all looking for God. There you go. Uh, every one of us is looking for God. And if you don't find God, yeah. because let's just be honest, life is tough, Terry. Yep. You know, inflation, high gasoline, high grocery prices, People in the family getting sick, your own medical problems, yep. the threat of war, yep. uh, you know, the threat of nuclear war. Life is tough. And so the drug culture, what it does, Terry, it helps people escape the reality of this world's pressures and stress and anxiety. It, it kind of provides an escape, uh, uh, an escape valve for a short while. I mean, you know, because people find it very difficult to return to real-life situations, to real-life challenges, to real-life problems. And so people turn to drugs for their mind-altering effects because, again, uh, because life is tough, and instead of turning to God, they're trying to just basically titillate their mind, you know, the, getting the, you know, these mystical highs, these psychedelic fantasies, yeah. because they want to escape reality. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. And that's why we need to be evangelizing these young people with the kingship of Christ. Because Amen. I've noticed, Jesse, people who have been on drugs and have a, a personal relationship, a conversion with Jesus Christ, it, they change their whole lives. And it be, and they're actually, some of them are the, the most powerful witnesses of the gospel I've ever met. Like Father Donald Callow. That's who I was going to bring up, brother. <laughs> who, who, endorsed, who was on the front cover of the book. He endorsed the book. That's right. He said, if, he, said your, he told me your arguments are brilliant. He goes, if I would have ran across these arguments, he yeah. says, I would have never started. Yeah, there you go. He says, no, nobody has, was ever giving answers like you have. Yeah. Jesse, I know this is in your book. And I know because um, Dr. Fortinassi came on our show and talked about this. The question, does marijuana actually affect the brain or is that simply religious urban legend, Jess? Does marijuana actually affect the brain? Yeah. Terry, there's long-term effects. Oh, yeah. And then there's short-term effects. Uh, the facts are, if you look at the British Journal of Psychiatry, very respected in the world of medicine, mm -hmm. They talk about the fact that studies dem demonstrate that marijuana use, it precipitates schizophrenia. Yep. And it also precipitates other mentally related psychotic orders in the brains of people who are already vulnerable to psychosis. And so the question, the question is, why would you legalize marijuana if we know, objectively speaking, from scientific data... Yeah that it, it does something to the brain. In fact, doctors say that long-term marijuana, it actually may shrink the brain, certain parts of the brain, mm -hmm. and it has lasting effects on mental health overall. Because uh, there's, there's a study that shows that heavy marijuana use over several years was associated with, with structural differences in at least two different regions of the brain. It's called the 
the hippocampus and the amygdala. Mm -hmm. And so doctors have found out that the hippocampus, it regulates memory. And, uh, and when people smoke pot, their hippocampus is about 12% smaller among marijuana users than non-marijuana users. And also the amygdala, that's where we get emotion and memory. People that smoke marijuana, their amygdala is an average of seven times smaller than somebody who doesn't smoke pot. Uh, another study also that we saw through MRIs. Yes. When you compare the, the structure of the brain of men who smoke more than five joints of marijuana daily for more than 10 years, yep. compared with men who don't, uh, you can see clearly that the men who smoke pot regularly have significantly lower brain tissue volumes, again, in the hippocampus and amygdala areas. And what happens? They have more mental disorders. So there, there are long-term effects. There are short-term effects. Uh, a short-term effect for young people, uh, young people who start smoking marijuana as teenagers, their brain stops growing. Their brain wow. stops growing. Terry, I, I can't say anything good about this. No. Even, even from a scientific level, doctors who are objective and are not being paid by George Soros or, 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 or connected with Fauci, uh, they'll tell you that, uh, that there's, there's nothing beneficial to smoking marijuana. Nothing. Well said. And let's be honest with it. The motivation of young people who smoke, they don't want to go to work. They don't want to do anything except sit on a couch and stay high. I've, I've experienced that with And people. watch pornography. Well, that's true. And, and yeah, and, and do things that are immoral and yep. detrimental to the salvation of their soul. So this is charity that's sharing this information with them and tell them to knock it off and turn their life over to Christ. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jeff. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're talking about the evils of marijuana and how it affects the family, affects the individual, their body, their soul. And Jess, I was wondering if this is a study, I think it's in your book, regarding liberalism and conservatism. And it seems to me that those who smoke marijuana on a regular basis would be more open to liberal ideas of entitlements, a bigger government. Uh, is that something that can be sub substantiated through a study? Yeah, as a matter of fact, let me pull up the study here. It's, uh, it's, uh, came out, it was written by uh, Jim Myers, Are Liberals Bigger Drug Users, uh, June 16, 2008. Uh, this is an article that was written by him. It went out in many major papers. Yeah, uh, liberals, according to the study, are five times more likely than conservatives to use marijuana and cocaine. And, and it's pretty simple. I'll tell you why. Because generally conservatives are generally more people of faith. And so they're going to realize that their body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so they're not going to want to do anything that's going to, to, to do something that's going to hurt uh, their sobriety or hurt their body, at least not do it willfully. And so, but liberals, again, who have their moral relativists, basically uh, their truth is their truth and, and they don't care what God says, the Holy Bible, the church or anything. They follow their emotions. And of yeah. course, emotionally, 
their body tells them this feels good. Do it. I don't care. Who cares what your parents say? Who cares what uh, doctors and, and and scientists say? Who cares what the Bible says? Who cares what the church says? It feels good. Follow your emotions. I got it. I got it. And just because we just have a few minutes, I'm going to jump up to a couple more questions because people say it all the time. They go, hey, man, the government says it's legal, you know, to kill unborn babies. Obviously, that doesn't make it good. But, you know, we know what Biden is saying. Nobody should be going to jail because of possession of marijuana. I mean, if the government says it's legal, is it okay? Isn't it? I mean, how do we approach that from a biblical view? Well, remember, Terry, uh, the when the government says something is legal, yeah. that doesn't ex- exactly mean that it's moral. That's right. So as Catholics, legal does not mean moral. Okay, there's... And for example, our government used to legalize owning slaves. Yes. Well, that's never been moral. Our government, in some cities, in some states, you can kill a baby in the mother's womb. It's legal in some states. It's not moral. Right. Uh, it's legal to have a doctor kill you through euthanasia. It's legal. It's not moral. It's legal for two men to get married. Yep. Joe Biden has performed two homosexual marriages in the White House. It's not moral. Right. So remember, as a Catholic... That uh, that we do Acts five twenty nine, we listen to God rather than men. If man's laws conflict with God's laws, our default is always to Amen. follow God's laws. Terry. Amen. Jesse, this is a question I've been asked many times. You know, they say I take marijuana because of the pain level I have. It's the only thing that works for me to keep my pain level manageable. What do you say to that? Yeah, Terry, that's, I think a lot of people, that's where they're at. Uh, well, personally, uh, as uh, Dr. Vince Fortunace, I asked him this question. He's a brain surgeon. Yep. Here's what he said. He, uh, he says, quote, people tout that, that uh, this, the, the CBD or the cannabis oil uh, from the marijuana has medicinal value. How after, however, after you're no longer under the influence and you're sober, your sensitivity to pain increases. You can extract the CBD from marijuana, but it's very expensive. And we have drugs much less expensive that helps decrease your pain. Mm. Here's another thing that I would say, Terry. Tell me. Is that number one is that as Catholics, we know that there's something called redemptive suffering. Amen. Uh, And I think the whole marijuana industry, again, this is the diabolical uh, subtleties of this industry. It wants to make people believe that they can live a life that they're pain-free. Right. It reminds me of a book. It was written years ago. It's called uh, the Bra- A Brave New World. A Brave New World. I think it was written back in the 40s. In this Brave New World, uh, Aldix Huxley's Brave New World, they, they've, they've, they discover this wonder drug. They call it Soma. And this is this recreational drug that's used in this, in this novel, Brave New World, that can cure any sort of unhappiness within society or any type of pain. So this was a book written by Eldex Huckley, 1932. In my opinion, this Brave New World, this is exactly what the Democrats are trying to build. And the Soma for the Democrats, in my opinion, this drug that, uh, you know, this recreational drug that's used to, to, to stop pain and to, and, to, and, to, and to bring you happiness. I believe it's marijuana, Terry. Yeah. Jesse, I'm, I'm getting a text from one of our listeners, and people can text me at 661-972-7872 to be part of the show here. Uh, he says, great topic, uh, Terry and Jesse. 
He, I work at a high school, and I'm a teacher, and uh, I see this happening uh, with students who are pretty good at math, and they come back after a summer break, and they've been using medical marijuana, and their skills went down significantly, and it didn't even take years. Uh, he said only took a couple of months. Uh, thank you for sharing, uh, because parents need to know this. He said there's a lot of denial of the effects and the pressure for kids to get involved in marijuana. This is one of our listeners who's a teacher in, in a public high school. So you're spot on, Jess. Uh, Terry, the re- follow the money. Yeah. Terry, again, who's, who's behind all of this? Well, who actually started it? George Soros started the whole marijuana push here in the U.S. Right. Uh, he, I think he dumped initially like $90 million to the Democrat Party, and he just had, the, had them run with it. Uh, you know, George Soros is an, an old man. He's a hedge funder who made a whole lot of money, but he throws around money uh, to 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 promote a social disorder around the world and in different countries. And he's the one that uh, back in 1994, he gave 80 million dollars to the legalization efforts of marijuana through his open society. He gave it to the Democrat Party and to the ACLU, and they began pushing this through billboards, through Internet, through radio. Now, Terry, George Soros has kind of backed away from it because it's taken a life of its own. Now the Mexican cartels, who well, I don't know who's more evil, Soros or the Mexican <laughs> cartels, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, that's, that's, they'd have to arm wrestle for that. Now they have picked up the industry here in the United States and uh, it's become, uh, it's, it's become one of the, uh, the hallmarks of the Mexican cartel and it's become one of their pet projects. Yes, this is a big one because I've heard people tell me, oh, I smoked marijuana, but I stopped. I didn't like it or, you know, I grew out of it. And, you know, is marijuana addictive? What do the studies show on that, Jess? Yeah, Terry, the fact is uh, tell me. is that marijuana, if, if uh, you look at doctor's reports, they say it's psychologically addictive. Mm. It's psychologically addictive. And uh, th- the fact is, e- right now, when I was... When I was a young guy 40 years ago, uh, there was no such thing as uh, teen drug rehab centers when I was a teenager. This is something very new. We, a, a, a couple of years ago, we started opening up teen drug rehab centers. Guess what? Marijuana is the number one addiction of 65% of teens that are in drug rehab, rehabilitation centers. And they'll tell you. The doctors and the the patients in there, they'll tell you that they started with marijuana and it didn't stop there. Of course not. They went on to cocaine, yep. methamphetamine, and other drugs. So contrary to popular belief, doctors will tell you that marijuana can be addictive. And in fact, research shows that 30% of users generally develop some degree of addiction and dependence to marijuana. About three out of ten users. Jesse, is it true that they're lacing marijuana with hard drugs and people are dying from this? Absolutely. Rubens told me that. He re- he worked the last eight years of his career mm-hmm. in that industry. And uh, this is why you're, you're finding so many people that are addicted to marijuana because it's not that straight, green, leafy plant substance that was used by Cheech and Chong back in the 60s. Now it's laced with, again, hallucinogenics, uh, sometimes they're putting fentanyl, uh, methamphetamine, cocaine, uh, LSD. The marijuana, the THC, which is the ingredient that causes a person to become intoxicated. Mm-hmm. 
the THC levels used right now in marijuana in 2002 are 25 times stronger or more potent than the marijuana that was used back in the 60s and 70s. Unbelievable. To wrap it up, folks, I want you to go to jesseromero.com, pick up his book on marijuana, The Problem with Marijuana. And just last thing, because of your police background, you have this fact. This blew me away. What is the percentage of inmates who commit crimes while under the influence? This is incredibly high. Uh, 85% of the inmates that are sitting right now in jail or in prison committed their crime under the influence of drugs, alcohol, or a combination thereof. Only 15% of people that are in lockup right now committed their crimes completely sober. And the reason is, as Father Donald Calloway says, he says sobriety is a fruit of holiness. Yes. And here's a basic Catholic moral philosophy that Father Calloway promotes uh, when, he, when he talks about this. He says, sobriety leads to virtue. Virtue leads to holiness. Holiness leads to being a saint in heaven. This is from Father Calloway. Let me say it again, a former drug addict. Let me say it again. Sobriety leads to virtue. Virtue leads to holiness. Holiness leads to being a saint in heaven. Well, Jesse, real quick, we only got a couple minutes left. What does a person need to overcome drug addictions? People are listening and they're going, yeah, I'm, I'm on th- these drugs, but what can I do? What do you tell them? Terry, the only way you can uh, overcome drug addiction is through returning to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm talking about a radical faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Not putting your toes in the water. No. And, and by an act of your will saying, I am going to live in a state of grace. Amen. I am going to follow the teachings of the, of the church. I am going to follow Christ as prescribed by the, by the perennial magisterium of the church. And, uh, and, and the fact is, I've seen it, Terry, over and over. People break the addiction because there's a demonic component to this addiction. And it can only be broken, Terry, by returning to a life of faith and grace and prayer. Well said. Get Jesse's book from jesseromero.com. Share it with your friends and family. Jess, you just nailed it. And that's not just people on marijuana. We all need a relationship with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. We all need the sacraments. We need to get to confession on a regular basis. I would encourage not people just on drugs. Every one of us, we all have our issues. We all are sinners. Let's just be honest. Uh, You know, we're not immaculately conceived. So get get the confession on a regular basis. Receive the Holy Eucharist. Read your Bible. Pray your rosary. And remember Our Lady of Fatima saying this. Hey, souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Mom, Dad, let's pray for our kids. Jess, final thought. What state should we be living in, brother? State of sanctifying grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. America, wake up to Jesus. Don't hit the snooze button. There's a global warming coming. What is that global warming? Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Amen. Full sheen ahead here at Fulton at the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God richly bless you and your family.